the last time we talked, um, we didn't even have a Walker Howard yet, and and it was just Jackson Dart and two walk-on backups. Now, good walk-ons. Now, I'm not saying they're not good, but they're not what we expected them to be. And then Walker Howard commits, and everybody's excited. By the way, anybody that ha- can see Walker Howard's huddle film, I recommend anybody go watch that. <clears throat> Absolutely unbelievable. He, he's he's essentially Matt Corral. That that's that's what this kid is, tools wise. And and then Spencer Sanders, for some reason, decides, hey, I'm going to throw my lot in, instead of going over to Auburn or wherever else. We're going to make this room absolutely a bear. And now the spring is going to be a war. I was sitting here thinking, it's like, okay, the transfer portal is coming to an end. Early, late signing day is February 1st. So from there, you got three weeks until baseball season. You, you know, I like baseball. I really enjoy doing it. But it doesn't, I hate to say, it doesn't turn the dial. And we're going to absolutely cover it, but it doesn't turn the dial like football does. And basketball, poor thing. I feel terrible for Tim Thomas, who will be on the. Show. We're interviewing him tomorrow about um, the last two games this week. But I was like, oh my goodness, what are we going to talk about? Well, I know what we're going to talk about now. We're going to talk about the quarterback competition until September, and, and I mean that's just kind of where we are right now. How you doing, Tom? Doing fine, yeah. man. I just think this was explaining. It's like, yeah, we we've, we've got our content. Um, basically programmed until football season. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, Steve, two thoughts on a QB situation. Okay. Number one, I'm thinking maybe Sanders came because he wants tutelage for Kiffin and, you know, to try and, you know, make it to the combine a, a year from now. And then second, how do you feel – how do you think Dart is taking this? I think – okay – the, look at it like this. Dart is essentially like Little Mac from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. And he has battled Piston Honda and won that against um, Keaton Slovis at USC. Then he beat uh, Bald Bull um, against Luke Altmaier. And now he's got the final boss. He's got Mike Tyson. If he can beat Spencer Sanders, he is going to win the game. And he absolutely has the potential to win this. There's some tweaks he needs to make and some stuff he needs to do. But he can absolutely make the jump to win this because if not Spencer Sanders is going to do it and I think the idea and this is just me talking I think the idea is a competition that is essentially Spencer Sanders and Jackson Darton the winner is going to be the first the starting quarterback the second team quarterback is going to be Walker Howard and whoever loses the job will be the third because I think they're going to try and get Walker Howard as many reps as possible because they view it. Whoever wins this job is not going to be around next year. Um, either it's Jackson Dart going to the pros or Spencer Sanders graduating. So you don't think Dart's taking this personal? Do you think Kiffin maybe sat down with him and said, hey, listen, I just want you to know what we're doing on the recruiting battle? Well, or just Kiffin went and did his thing and didn't even speak to him? Well, this is one thing everybody needs to understand. And they and – they, they don't do it. Whenever I worked for Orgeron, and the reason I bring that up is because Orgeron and Kiffin run their programs the same way. It's based off the Pete Carroll model. 90% of everything Lane Kiffin does is based off of what Pete Carroll did at USC. Everything is built that way. So that's one of the reasons I got into this, because I was recognizing what was happening. 
and I can understand it. And the number one tenant in that program is competition. And they pound competition into the kid's head every single day. So I think that Jackson Dart didn't think anything about it. I think it's just another debt. He just has a job he needs to go win because competition is so held in such a high esteem. Well, it, it, and as we know, at the elite programs, mm-hmm. that's the way it is. Yeah. So, And we'll see exactly what happens. I, I'm, I am just crazy interesting. I watched um, four games today um, of Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State. I saw him play TCU. I saw him play Baylor. I think a Texas Tech game, and I saw him play um, Devin. And statistically, Jackson Dart and Spencer Sanders are the same quarterback. Their their, their numbers are uncannily similar. But if you watch them, they go about playing the game a different way. So stylistically, it might look a little different when Spencer Sanders is in the game. But the production, if it stays the same, will be – what we're familiar with but he is a twitchy read option type player and he's unbelievably good in the pocket and whenever you look it's like what are these guys strengths what's jackson dart strength what's spencer sanders strength and the first thing you think of is their legs and i think that's a problem delaying Kiffin. he wants them to think of something else he he would rather i think them them be known as just game managers than the legs be the first thing you think of and I think that's the reason he just decided to basically, like a Yahtzee cup, put all these quarterbacks in a room and let's just see what comes out. The, the thing I like the most about it is that anybody that's been an old Miss fan for a long time, uh, we've always been on pins and needles uh, hoping that our – quarterback doesn't get hurt because usually there's a huge drop off uh, if that happens and for the first time in a very long time uh, actually we've probably got the best quarterback room we've had since the early 60s. Probably, probably my- since Glenn Griffling, Griffin and what was it, Bobby Franklin and those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. In modern football, Ole Miss hasn't had a quarterback room like this. They've not even anywhere close. Um, they've had good players, like Rush Owls and Tom Luke, was, they're good players. Um, Eli Manning and Romero Miller, that was probably above average players. You know, mm-hmm. um, Matt Corral, Luke Altmaier. Yeah, I can see it. But this is a different thing. Having... A Gatorade National Player of the Year starting, a five-star backing him up, and a four-year starter competing for the job. That that that's a, that's new territory. On the subject of receivers, it looks like to me fifteen percent of the roster's receivers. How in the world do you keep all of them? Happy? You don't. You don't. Fifteen percent of the roster was receivers last year. I think it's one of those things where you just punch it, put a bunch in there and there's going to be some guys sandwiched at the top. Like, nobody would have thought Dayton Wade would have been um, one of our most productive wide receivers last year. But he was. And also, I think Dayton Wade is destined for the slot. I have a theory uh, also that 12 personnel, Michael Trigg is going to be playing some slot 
as the season goes on. You're going to have him and Prescorn play at the same time. That's my thought. Well, it's like you said, the, the middle of the field was not utilized this past season, and I couldn't help but think when I watched the San Francisco game, watching Purdy use the middle of the field, how we need to be doing that. Oh, yeah. You take our offense – and you take away the element, and we couldn't run the jet sweeps last year because of the center exchange. So that is preventing linebackers from going left to right immediately. You weren't throwing the ball over the middle of the field because potentially, I don't know this to be true, but potentially a quarterback was not seeing linebackers. I think they called the game that way played because they were scared. Um, and... You take that away, you don't have um, linebackers that need to go backwards. So there's no false step going to the side. There's no false step going backwards, and they can just tee off to the line of scrimmage. And you saw Texas Tech in that bowl game. The linebackers and everybody was just teeing off on the run game because they didn't have to worry about anything else. And if, if you can open up, this, the pieces are in this offense for it to be an elite like Tennessee-level offense. But the quarterback has to distribute the ball and run it correctly. The weapons are in place, which tell, that's probably why we have three quarterbacks going through this competition. Be interesting to see how the uh, new O-line coach gets the center exchange correct. Yeah, that one that is what I'm really curious about. That that one that one I'm really um, curious about. Yeah, I know Caleb got better towards the end of the year with the snap. But, you know, he's not a true center. We really don't have a true center on the roster. Uh, I don't know. Somebody somebody mentioned, and it may have been on this space or, or I don't know. Somebody mentioned that Bryson Sanders may come in, and that may be his his role going forward. It may be a center uh, prospect. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, maybe this kid from – California that's coming in. Maybe he is an interior offensive lineman that can provide some depth. Mm. I hope so. I, I have faith that that they saw the issues last year with the snap as well. They know that's one of the big things that need correcting. I, I would argue probably the biggest thing that needed correcting <clears throat> on our offense was center snap and a uh, a blocking tight end that can catch the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Owen, can you hear me? Yeah, I can Okay, what you got, bro? I, 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 so I'm a, I'm a student on this right now. I write for the uh, I write for the Daily Mississippi. That's the yeah. paper. Um, and I wanted to talk about your quarterback thing earlier. You said that uh, of the three guys you have now, only one of them is injured. No, that's not what I said. Right? No, okay. no, no, I, I, I making think history that, by announcing that the Michigan Panthers have returned home in 2023 to play here at Howard. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And so then, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 
So, so if Spencer Sanders wins, I'm playing devil's advocate here because I, I haven't really thought all this through right. yet. But if he wins this year, right, he's he's gone after this year. No right. matter what, <coughs> you know, and I there's sort of something itching at me that says, like, wouldn't it be better to just have one of the younger guys play, whether it's Howard or Dart? Because I, I don't think I don't next year, after, not not next season, season after, we'll still have Judkins. We'll still have the transfer receiver from Amy, right? We'll still have a bunch of young, skilled players who have been developing. And I think it could be really valuable for next year to build that chemistry with the quarterback and those skill guys. And then, you know, because I, I don't think Sanders is really a a quarterback. He's, he's a good player, obviously. He's been productive at Oklahoma State for years now. But I don't think he's a guy that you look at and go, okay, next year he can make us, he can he can bring us to great things. Well, a I I don't know if Kiffin ever looks at next year, if that makes sense. Um, whenever you do it, it's like the 2023 team, the 2024 team. But I get your point. But I think that Dart and Sanders it will be kind of irrelevant because in the end, I think they want this to be Walker Howard's team. So they're going to spend the next year just getting him ready. That's 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 yeah. That, that's probably going to end up being right. I mean, he is he is the most talented, at least the the the. If you look at it in a vacuum, he's the most talented guy in the roster. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's potentially so, so, the most talented player we've signed. So, Steve, yeah. you're saying that you're saying that regardless of what happens this year, assuming Dart's on the team next year. That Howard will beat out Dart next year. I, th- I think the idea that the worst case scenario, the I think the situation that Lane Kiffin absolutely doesn't want to happen, and this is just me talking, is for Lane or Jackson Dart to win the job and have an average season. He doesn't want another eight and four season. That's yeah, and, and, and he doesn't want Jackson Dart. He wants Jackson Dart. If he wins the job, he What's wants thirty five hundred yards. 25 touchdowns and six picks. Go pro. You're back. I think in his perfect world, whoever is the quarterback <clears throat> this year is not the quarterback next year. You need to go pee-pee? Well, if Dart doesn't win the uh, quarterback battle this year, okay. there's no way he'll be going pro after next year. If he doesn't win the quarterback battle this year, he's probably going to end up transferring. Will he have to sit here because of the – the deal you're only allowed once? Potentially, but um, he, if for whatever reason. He could be a grad yeah. transfer. He could be a grad Yeah, grad transfer, you can just go at any time. And it all depends on how close he is to graduating. Now, I don't know what that is because when he was at SC, they were on the quarter system, which means his normal um, count isn't exactly what it, what you would think it would be. So I don't, I'm not sure there. I've got a different perspective. I think Dart's going to win the job. I think Sanders is insurance. And then I think, of course, uh, I do agree that that Howard is our is our future. But I, I really think that what happened, uh, at least what I've seen on the Internet, is, is you know, Sanders went into the portal. Uh, then somebody came up with money to be back up to the state, and Gundy said, 
nah, that's all right. I don't want him. So I think Sanders was looking for a team, and uh, I think, you know, we just snatched him up because if if Dart does get hurt, we've got Sanders, right? So, but I, you know, that's just my perspective. Yeah. I, I I you know I've watched both of them play and they're then they're both good but but I just think that Sanders coming in and and just coming in and getting used to the system I think uh, it's Dart's job to lose absolutely he's got he is what Luke Altmaier had going into last spring it's up to Jackson Dart to, he can win this job this spring but he can't lose this job this spring that makes sense. Yep. But the longer this goes on, and it's almost my opinion, where if it hits August 25th, like game week, <clears throat> j- just name Walker Howard and let's go. If it's that close, let's let's just go. You know? All right. Uh, Michael, what you got, bud? Hey, Stephen. How you doing? Good to hear. I know this is locked on Ole Miss podcast, but I was just curious your thoughts on who do you think Alabama might target for their next offensive coordinator? The weirdest thing, you're starting to see a whole lot of smoke around Jeff Levy, and I just can't figure out how Nick Saban would allow a Jeff Levy to kind of run stuff. And that would like go against completely what I was thinking about. Um, I was expecting somebody in the vein of Todd Monken, not him exactly, but somebody that runs an offense similar, <laughs> very pro-style. But if it's Jeff Levy, I mean, I mean, we'll see. I, that that's that's out, right? Who is Levy's age? I don't know. But is it uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, come on, Kiffin's age. Jimmy uh, Sexton. If it's Sexton, Sexton, maybe he may be the one putting that out there on the internet to get him more money at home. Yeah. It'd be it'd be interesting. Um, Rebels, Dad, what you got, bud? Uh, two things. One, yeah, there's a lot of smoke going around on Jeff Levy, but a lot of people <coughs> starting to pick up on Dan Mullen again for the OC for Alabama. <coughs> then second, when it comes to the quarterback situation, like you said, Kiffin's doing a year-by-year team, no. but I think he's Don't playing a game crap. of checkers and chess at the same time right okay. now. Yeah, he's building out the team for this year because he obviously he needs to have a much better season than he did last year. But you look at a lot of the guys he's pulling in, these are guys that are still going to be have some longevity for the next season, possibly the season after that. And like, what was it, Owen was talking about building that chemistry for next year. What happens next year, we're going into the 12-team playoff. Mm-hmm. I think he's making a shot for being within that top 10 next year to get into that playoff with a lot of these guys that he's bringing in right now. Yeah, I- that's just my thought on it. That, a lot of that makes sense, man. And a lot of that makes sense. We got a little. That would make. That's that's probably why I hired Golding. And if you look at all the uh, scholarships that are being offered right now for twenty four, most of them uh, are defensive. Yeah, right now it, it's crazy the amount of defensive linemen they're offering. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's nuts. Like I said, a good solid season this year would have huge <clears throat> implications for bringing in an even better team to make that build out for next year. Yeah, I'm curious to see um, with the late signing day. Um, tomorrow we had uh, we have John Garcia on the show, and he talks about um, Chim Diano because that's really, I think, 
Ole Miss's only late signee potential offensive lineman out of the Northeast. It's either Ole Miss, Michigan State, or Penn State. And we'll see how that goes, but it's kind of winding down as the drop ad gets a little closer. Um, we'll see what's going on there. Joey Freshwater is in the house. How we doing, bud? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Steven? I'm doing quite well, man. Good, good. Got a couple of things to touch on. Uh, honestly, with all the conversation we've been having, probably three or four. Uh, first, let's start with the playoffs, uh, the 12-team playoffs. Um, I talked to I, – I, I was thinking it was next year, but I asked a couple of buddies, and they said it would be the following year. It's the year after. Uh, it's, okay, so it is it, it is the year mm-hmm. after. Okay. I uh, just wanted to make sure on that. Um, and then the next thing was uh, I also think that um, – I think Dart's going to have a big year too, and uh, you kind of mentioned you know he's in the same position as Luke Altmaier was this uh, this year, mm-hmm. but he's 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 bigger, fast. I mean, I'm not saying he's faster, but he can run the ball. He he's he's got a lot more live arm. He, he's I, I think Dart's going to win the job pretty clearly, and Walker Howard's going to be his backup. Maybe a little uh, you know little red zone action with Spencer Sanders. But lastly, uh, do, you, do we know if Coach Garrison's got another year? Because he's, he's bigger than our <laughs> UAB offensive lineman we just Yeah, he, he and, was a uh, Nebraska offensive lineman, so he could probably pull it. Yeah, he, he's huge. And he was a center, so, you know, maybe he can get, get the snaps down yeah. uh, for our uh, centers. But lastly, uh, just one last thing. Um, uh if y'all hadn't seen the, I forgot his name, the the uh, the commit we just got from JUCO yesterday. Is it Mana? Uh, the Samoan guy. I, I don't want to dare try to pronounce it because I'll screw it up until I hear it. I know who you're talking I, about. Yeah, I, I I don't know what exactly it is, but hey, y'all need to check out. Make sure you don't click on his uh, high school highlights, but make sure y'all check out his huddle highlights from JUCO this year. He, it's game by game instead of a full you know season highlights. But y'all check it out. Just check out the top game, and he he dominates. He he's gonna he's gonna be good. At least good depth. Is is he interior or exterior offensive line? Is he tackle or guard? And that he's playing left. In JUCO, he's playing left tackle. Okay. Of course, he's you know six four and a half, six five, yeah. and, and SEC. That's kind of on the verge. So, but he could. I think he he at left tackle. He was making some pulls around to the right side, and he he was. I was impressed. I was impre- more impressed after you know after I watched the highlights, and I was like, "Man, this is a good good pickup." Yeah, whenever you see that, you're like, "Okay, what's going on with this? Is he like a closet center that we haven't heard about?" But if he can play, he can play. I don't know much about him, but well, well, y'all should like I said, just check out his highlights. It's it's. I was impressed. Perfect. Awesome, bro. Because wanted to cut Medicare. None of us support cutting Medicare benefits, but they actually did it. Absolutely not. And you know oh, the Democrats just well, cut $280 billion. Well, All Democrats have the score the basketball going game. to cut $280 billion out of Medicare just two, what, two months ago. Just want to correct the record. They were down in half. That's all I know. Social Security didn't cut Medicare benefits. They're down nine right now. Yeah, they're down nine. The price yeah, it's amazing. Medicare yeah, um, consumers, but I want to ask the next honestly, question, I didn't which is it without without Matthew Morell, I didn't know cut, they'd hit forty, but they hit forty in the first half. They did, they did like, What's going on? And you who cut Medicare is the Democrats. They it's a lot better than the seventeen they were down before. They made up a little bit yeah, of ground. By the way, if anybody um, wants to feel better about basketball, check out the LSU Arkansas score right now. 
think Arkansas is winning by 30. It was like 40 to 11 last I saw. It's crazy how good uh, Mississippi State and LSU were looking at the beginning of the year versus, uh, versus you know, mm-hmm. their starts this in this SEC season. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. nuts. Is there any way? Is there any way Kermit survives? No, I don't think so. No. I, I don't know if there's enough no. wins on the schedule for him to survive. The Ole Miss could very well be about to throw up like a thirteen and eighteen. Can Keith Carter coach and be the athletic director? <laughs> Can he shoot? That's not, does he have a year of eligibility? Is my question. That's yeah. right. That's right. Good group. Hey, I was thinking that about Coach Garrison. Like I yeah. said, does he have a a COVID year? <laughs> Absolutely not. It was funny. You saw that. I saw that pick, just like you're talking about, with like John Garrison sat next to an offensive lineman, and he just dwarfed that guy. That's obviously 290 pounds. Is like, dang. Okay, note to self: do not piss that man off. <laughs> that's right. Hey, that's likely that was uh, Quincy McGee, if I remember correctly. That's. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to start this year, but he's going to be playing. He's he's. Uh, I live in Birmingham, and I kind of I, I go to some UAB games, and I kind of watch. You know, I watch the offensive line a little bit, and uh, he, he he looked pretty good the the three games I went to. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Of course, I don't. I'm you know I didn't play in college or in the NFL or coaching college or in the NFL, but. Uh, I think he's going to be a good depth piece. Yeah, yeah. The, the the I think the main thing that we need to do, and this is going to be part of this quarterback competition, is the RPOs. The quarterback can't hold the ball because the offensive lineman. This is a you know a little known fact. What's going on? The offensive lineman's run blocking on every play. That's the reason when the quarterback holds the ball too long, it's easy to shed, and there's always pressure, and the quarterback's taking all these hits. And I think it's because he's just holding the ball. Or maybe they're running second and third level RPOs, which is taking a little bit longer to develop. And it's not like a traditional pass set, like you might think of what Laramie Tunzel was doing when he was at Ole Miss. It, they're, they're run blocking. They're zone blocking. So, I mean, we'll see exactly what they do. Maybe, maybe they pass block a little bit more. Maybe they run block a little bit more. But it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens on the offensive line, protection-wise, what Garrison brings to the table. Is it true that uh, – or um, did he try to – did uh, Kiffin try to bring in Garrison when he came to Ole Miss? Um, like I read on the you know message board. Yeah, I, I, heard, I heard that as well. I, I do not know. Um, okay. Now, it's one of those things. Okay, whenever – Lane Kiffin get, gets to a new location. Traditionally, he has stocked that team with Baylor coaches for the install to put in the operational stuff, all the tempo stuff the Baylor guys do because I guess they have a pretty good system of doing it. Okay. Then he just kind of shoves them out the door, you know, shoes them off. If everybody remembers, the first year, three of those Baylor coaches, Joe John Finley, Randy Clements, and Jeff Levy were here. After the first year, Randy Clements and JoJo Finley, they were gone. And after the second year, Jeff Levy left. And then you just just like FAU, you kind of do your own thing. He does his own thing once it's all put in. So Right. And it, it seemed like Finley, uh, if I remember correctly, he uh, had a better 
or not better. I don't say better, but didn't he play at Texas A and M or something or Oklahoma? Which he went to one of them, didn't he? Oh, he, he both him and Levy, I think, went back to Oklahoma. Oh, okay, he did, okay, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I couldn't remember. I thought uh, for some reason I was thinking Finley played at Texas A and M, but maybe he coached. No, he coached there before he came yes. to us. That's right. Okay, okay. So I mean, we'll see exactly what is going to go on with them. I mean. They've, they've got pieces in place. People are going to tell you there about all this roster construction and all of this. It's kind of excuses at this point. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we right. just need to do it and execute it at a really high level. And if we don't make it, we just didn't make it at this point. Kind of yeah. is what it is. Um, by the way, Switching over. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm I was sorry. just going to let everybody know my polos that I've been promising that I was getting um, to give away, and for my contributors came in today. My Locked On Ole Miss podcast polos. So we will think of clever ways to um, distribute to you guys um, after the contributors get theirs, and they're pretty nice, actually. Yeah, it's not really Ole Miss related. That's kind of me related. How about some 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 defense, man? Yeah, Igbenosin and our new cornerbacks coach is what I was about to bring up. Y'all go ahead. Y'all y'all talk about. Uh, it. Yeah, I think he's gone. Man. Yeah, I think Davison and Tashim. I gone. think I think he's gone too. I know Tashim has yeah. gone, but uh, it's, my my Tennessee buddy keeps saying that he's going there. What do you? Is that where y'all are here? I'm, I'm going to be honest. Whenever I don't pay attention to where kids are going, if they, they're leaving Ole Miss, that's really – that's what all I try to confirm is whether or not they're leaving. Wherever they go, it doesn't matter. Because whenever this transfer portal – and this is what everybody needs. When they see Tysheem and Davidson, they think of potential where they could be. And we would do the same thing. We're doing the same thing with Chris Marshall coming over here. So I'm not saying we're any better. But the actual production that you're losing is what people should pay attention to in the transfer portal and people that are leaving. I mean, it, it needs to be an actual production thing. Now, Davidson could be a lockdown great cornerback. I'm not saying he can. But at Ole Miss last year, he was a eight-game starter, nine-game starter with like three pass defenders. Yeah. Right, right. And I agree with that, that completely. Uh but, you know, my dad just randomly, he's like, well, you know, Tysheem Johnson had 72 tackles this year. And I was like, Dad, it seemed like he might have, you know, from freshman year to sophomore year throughout the year kind of regressed. But he did have a lot of tackles, but it seemed like he missed them. Well, yeah, and, and, and well, him playing box safety, he had to make a lot of tackles. It wasn't like a normal safety right. playing off the line of scrimmage. He was doing something real similar to Jake Springer. He was part of that physics problem that I always talk about. Man, I miss Jake Springer, I miss Cody mm-hmm. Pruitt, and I miss Mike mm-hmm. Hilton. Oh, everybody misses Mike Hilton. Oh, man. But Suntarian coming. Probably. He'll be here in six months. Yeah. And anybody, hey, Stephen, have you looked at the numbers? Because based on the numbers that we've had in the portal, combined with the graduates, it looks like we're going to be way below 85. And I, I don't know if that is actually the case. Okay. The number count that they're doing is thrown off by that dang COVID year. So you're not sure. You can't sign something if somebody is already there and that scholarship is spoken for. 
So before the season started, after the kids that graduated and everything, our scholarship number was at like two or three that we had available for this year with all the people. That's the reason so many people had to transfer out is because we were so tightened up because whenever we got in the transfer portal last year, we were signing two and three year guys. So I don't know if that number is very cut and dry. And I think they're going to be close to at least 80. Now I think they're going to sign some guys in the late period um, in May. Right. Uh, and they're yeah. saving some spots for that. But I, I think they're going to have five left or so, and they're just going to give those to walk-ons that are like Dayton Wade's going to get one or something like that. So they're going to end up close to 85. But like I said, it's, a, it's weird whenever you try to calculate the years because somebody could be listed as a redshirt senior, and he's actually a redshirt junior because that has, he has that extra year. Yeah. It's weird. Well, we've gone um, over our half hour. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, tomorrow we're going to do a – the show is going to be basically handicapping the quarterback competition, um, who's the strengths that they have and what positions and what we expect to happen, and we talk about the two things that Ole Miss must do to win 10 games next year. These two things, they're non-negotiable. And then we have John Garcia to come in to talk about late signing day. He also talks about Keitra Piscano and his opinion of the quarterback room as well. He'll talk about that. But anyway, thank you guys very much for tuning in. If you got in here late and you want a replay, you can catch the replay on Thursday night. We're going to put the replay up Thursday night. And from there, um, we'll be able to rock off. But Hey, Stephen, I think we all want to wish Tom the best. We're all rooting for you, buddy. Yes. Oh, thank you. Uh, all right. Absolutely. Good old Tom. But thanks, everybody, for listening. And um, tune in to, tomorrow night to SEC After Dark on the All's Conference Network YouTube page. Um, that's the one with me, Corey, Jake, and Jeb. And we'll talk a little bit old Miss there along with the Alabama search and stuff like that. So we'll see you later, guys.